Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Monty Jude with Lion of Land Ministries. Welcome to our program. This is a program, a series of programs about the fall feast. As we're coming up on the fall, September and October, we're going to be coming up on Yom Teruah, the Day of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, which is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And in anticipation of keeping those programs, I thought I'd come and share with you a little bit more insight about each one of the feasts, how we observe them, what do they mean to us in our faith. And today, we're going to be talking specifically about Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. That's the first one that comes up on the first day of the month of Tishri, the seventh month. Now, you probably will have heard it by the name Rosh Hashanah, which in the Jews, the way they observe this, they consider this to be Jewish New Year. I know it's the seventh month. They're claiming it's the turn of the year. Don't be confused by all of that. That's simply the way it is done for them. That first of Tishri is also what we call a Rosh Hodesh. It's actually the first day of the month of Tishri. So you have the combination of a head of the month at the same time as the head of the year. And that's the reason why they call it Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hodesh. Trumpets is the only biblical holiday that has that characteristic. All other biblical holidays fall within different days of a month. This Yom Teruah, the Day of Trumpets, comes at the first of Tishri. It's a rather interesting commandment. As I shared with you before, it's a day of the sounding of shofars. It's a day of sounding of trumpets. Now, before I get into discussing why did God establish this and what are we supposed to be doing or getting out of this holiday, I want to share a, a very quick little story that happened in the New Testament that is part of the understanding about trumpets. And it has to do with these same trumpets that we're talking about, the it has to do with the temple treasuries. Now, when you used to go into the temple in Jerusalem, and let's say that you wanted to make a contribution, you wanted to make a financial contribution, you would go to a place that was in the temple, it was in the court of the women, just before you got into the court of Israel, and they had these clay jars, and they were big and open on the bottom, and they came up to a narrow neck. And now the idea was that you dropped your coins into the narrow neck, and your hand couldn't fit inside, so you could put them in, and someone couldn't steal the coins by just reaching in and grabbing them out. So they used to call these the temple trumpets, because they had the shape of a narrow tube coming down to this large bell, and that was the container where they could receive offerings that were coming in. And it turns out that there's a story about the idea of making a contribution to that, and it was confused with trumpets. And here's where the confusion is. The word for trumpet is teruah. The word for an offering is terumah. Teruah to Terumah. So the idea that an offering is the same thing as a trumpet is what was understood. Let me read to you. This is a very interesting little story. I'm sure you're familiar with it from Mark chapter 12, in which it says the following. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. They're putting in these devices that look like trumpets. 
and many rich people were putting in large sums. Now, what would happen is a rich man would come with a whole bunch of coin, and he would start dropping in the coin and to go ching, 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 a little bit like a slot machine when you win. You know, ching, 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 and it would make noise, and people around would be, oh, I hear the sound. Somebody's making a significant contribution. And verse 42, it says, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Now, two little copper coins barely makes a plink. There, You have this large sound that comes from people making a big offering, two little mites, the widow's mites, just a chink, just a very small sound. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you that this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all that she owned, all that she had to live on. And he's taking note of the others made a loud sound, and she was only able to make a small sound. Now, with that in mind, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 6, where Yeshua gave us a specific teaching. And he's giving us a teaching about when we do good, when we do the right things, how it is to be done correctly. Matthew 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Remember Yeshua sitting at the temple treasuries, and the widow put in just a little bit, and nobody noticed. The others came in with many coins, and everybody was noticing. He said the widow put in more than they put in. Part of the idea of the word teruah, trumpet, and teruma, which means offering, that's one of the lessons about a trumpet. Because a trumpet is intended to make a loud noise. It's intended to get your attention. But you're not to confuse what a trumpet does in getting attention and making a noise with a simple offering or assisting or helping your brethren. Doing things in secret and helping them others is really the louder trumpet with the Lord to be celebrated. This is the first lesson I want to give you about trumpets, because when he calls for us to have a day of trumpets, it's for a very specific reason. He wants us to take note of it. Now, let me, before I start, let me introduce to you, this is a shofar. It's a ram's horn. If you see normal rams, you'll see that this is the size. But we also have other shofars. For example, we have a big triple twist shofar. This is a, called a Yemenite shofar. And here's a dual twist. And by the way, these will put out slightly different sounds and notes. And depending on how you trim this shofar and how you set the mouthpiece, that will determine the notes, the note, the first note that will come out of it. And shofar manufacturers, those that do this, they try to basically get your basic shofar 
most shofars come out with a tone which is a, a B flat tone. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit because that's a significant element. This is a musical instrument. This is one of the most primitive musical instruments, and it was the instrument that was used extensively by all peoples, especially armies. And it's the trumpet call that's used in warfare. Interestingly enough, all the way up into World War I, they were still using trumpets to go onto the battlefield. The reason is because a trumpet blast can be distinguished as a sound separate from all of the other rumble and sounds that it goes on in warfare. Gunshots and artillery shots and so forth. You can still distinguish the sound of a trumpet blast. That's part of the reason why God has selected and given us a day of trumpets. It's a very distinct sound that can sound out against other things, and it can carry a message with it. In the military, they have different blasts of the trumpet. I'm sure you've heard of Reveille, wake up in the morning. I'm sure you've heard of taps. At a funeral, military funeral, they'll play taps. It's very sorrowful and so forth. The end of the day, it's a very distinct sound. And for those who hear the sound of the trumpet, it means particular things to them. Well, God has established a holiday in which that he wants to know about his trumpet calls. Now, what are the different trumpet calls that are specifically done? There are four of them. And by the way, I'm going to have them sound in the program for you. The first one is a tekiah. A tekiah is a short blast, low to high. And it's a, you know, sound. And I want you to hear that sound now at this moment. Second blast is a shevarim. And a shevarim is a, a warbling blast. It's three tekiahs, if you will, put together. A do, 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 kind of sound. And so let's hear a shevarim now. The third blast is called a terua. That's actually the name of the trumpet. And the terua is not the nine short staccato blasts, kind of trumpet sound. Let's hear that terua sound. Now, finally, there is the great blast of the trumpet. This is called a tekia ha godal, the great blast of the trumpet. It's very loud, it's piercing, and it carries on greatly. In fact, when you get a good shofar player playing it, you're amazed at how long can it keep blowing? How long will it keep blowing? And so let's hear a tekia ha godal. Now we've heard these sounds, so why does God, what does he want us to understand when we hear these different sounds? There are 10 great reasons that we teach for the sound of the shofar, and I want to walk you through them one after another. Follow along with me. Number one, a Yom marks the coming of a king. It's the announcement. He gets everybody's attention. A king is coming. 
And as it says in Psalms 98, verse 6, thus says David, with trumpets and the sound of cornet shofar, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. So it announces the coming of the King. By the way, you all know that the Messiah is planning on coming back one day. You're going to hear the sound of a shofar when he comes. Second reason for the sounding of the shofar, particularly on Yom Teruah on the first day of Tishri, Yom Teruah marks the beginning of the 10 days of awe. There are 10 days between Yom Teruah going into a Day of Atonement. And Day of Atonement is a very serious day. So these are the days in which that we are supposed to be in awe of God, the days of fear, because God is getting ready to make his final judgments about mankind on Yom Kippur. This is a warning to get ready for that to come. This is not the fear of dread, but of warning. These are the days of teshuva and repentance. Beginning with the sound of the shofar, we are warned to repent, to turn again to the Lord, leading up to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the Day of the Lord. And in like manner, kings do the same. First, they warn the populace by decree. Whoever violates the decree stands guilty without complaint. You were notified. You were told judgment is coming. We are warned by the sound of the shofar, just as it says, shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people be not afraid. Amos 3, 6 says that. The third thing that we're to learn from the sounding of it is the sounding of the shofar reminds us of our ancestors standing at the base of Mount Sinai. It is said, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Exodus 19, 19, our fathers responded to God's commandments and said, we will keep them and obey. Exodus 24, verse 7. It's a reminder of the sound when God came to Mount Sinai and spoke his commandments. Number four, the sounding of the shofar is like the words of the watchman who gives warning of God's judgment. As it is said, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. Ezekiel 33, verses 4 and 5. Number 5. The sounding of the shofar reminds us of the destruction of the temple and the battle alarms of the foe. As it is said, Because you have heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, Jeremiah 4, 19, when we hear the sound of the ram's horn, we beseech God to rebuild the temple. We remember the destruction that came, and we beseech him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Number six, the ram's horn reminds us of Abraham binding Isaac, who was offered at heaven's command. But then God ordered Abraham to stop once he had showed that he would obey the Lord. A ram was caught in the thicket, and it was offered up to the Lord in Isaac's stead. The ram was an acceptable substitute, and its horn reminds us that a ram had given its life, or else you cannot hear the sound of the shofar. This ram's horn right here says the ram gave his life. For us to have this, it means the ram gave its life. So it's a reminder of the sacrifice that was offered as a substitute for Isaac. It's a reminder of the Messiah. If you recall, that ram's head 
was caught in a thicket of thorns. And that's the one that Abraham served. Yeshua, when he was brought to be sacrificed in the very same place, his head too was in a crown of thorns about his head as it came forth. This is a reminder of the sacrifice that Abraham gave. Number seven, at the sound of the shofar, we are compelled to bend our ears to hear and cease from other activities of our choice. And in the same way, we are to hear, O Israel, and bend our will to God to do that which he chooses. We hear the clear tone of the horn and its different calls. In the same way, we're moved by the Spirit of God to learn his commands and what all of the sounds mean. Number eight, the sound of the shofar is a call to the dispersed of Israel. It is a call to a holy convocation a reunion of all Israel and his companions to join together. It is the long, compassionate call of God for his people. As it is said, it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown and they shall come where which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria. Isaiah 27, 13. It's a call to gather God's people and for God's people to be delivered. Number nine. The sound of the shofar reminds us of the great day coming when the dead shall be raised again, some to everlasting life and some to final judgment. On that day, we who are still alive will be changed and gathered with the saints, just as it says, and with the trumpet of God, the dead of the Messiah shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The sound of the shofar is the sound that we will hear when the resurrection takes place and when the rapture takes place. So that's obviously a sound we want to recognize and know what it represents and means for us. Number 10, finally, we say, the sound of the shofar reminds us of the great day of judgment coming upon the whole world. Just as it said, blow a trumpet in Zion, Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. And oh, by the way, as you keep the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, one of the things you'll learn is there's a specific set of trumpet blasts on trumpets that sets the stage for 10 days later, another blast of trumpets and a final blast that is the blast of judgment. The final blast of the trumpets is the blast of resurrection and rapture. The final one in Yom Kippur is the blast of judgment for the day of the Lord. Now I wanna take you to a story which offers some interesting, little bit of a mystery about the sounding of the shofar. And I'm sure you're familiar with this story, but we're going to talk about this a little bit because it has implications for us today when it comes to us observing the Feast of Trumpets ourselves. It's the story that's in the book of Joshua, and it has to do with the city of Jericho. And if you'll remember, that was the first city of conquest in the land when Joshua came in with the children of Israel to the land of Israel. Let me read to you now from Joshua chapter 6. I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but let me remind you of what was shared there. Beginning at verse 2, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. 
you shall do so for six days. And also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the trumpet's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up to every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horn around the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so, and when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant and of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the Ark while they were continuing to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, Shout, then you shall shout. Verse 11, So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. And then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, and while they continued to blow the trumpets, thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Then on the seventh day, they rose early in the, at the dawning of the day, marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. The wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Now, this story is a rather fascinating biblical story. Archaeologists have struggled with this story, and a lot of Christian scholars have tried to understand this. There's something about the sound. There's something about the vibrations. Maybe it was the walking around, tramping around the outside, sent vibrations into the city, into the walls where it was at. But then on the seventh day, the loud sound of the shofars and the shouting of the people, that volume of sound appears to have brought the walls down. Now, you do know that in the ancients, when they would build a stone wall, it was stone upon stone upon stone, and it was subject to earthquakes. Any shaking would do damage to the wall, and the mortar they had in those days wasn't really that good. And so stone upon stone for a wall or a gate or whatever was subject to collapse if there was a great shaking. Apparently on this day, it doesn't say there was an earthquake, but apparently there was the same effects of an earthquake that occurred there at the city. 
and as a result, the walls came down. Now, like I said, there's a lot of archaeologists that have gone over it, and there's clear evidence that there used to be an ancient city there that was destroyed, and it's rubble. And But they still struggle with trying to figure out how in the world did this happen. In fact, there's even been audio tests where they've tested the sound of a shofar to try to see it. And one of the things that has come out of that testing, not necessarily pinpointing the shofar and what happened there at, at that city, one of the things that they've discovered is that the frequencies of a loud sound does have the ability to do destructive things. And in fact, what they have discovered scientifically is that every object, you know, has something they call a resonant frequency. Do you remember years ago, there was an audio tape company called Memorax, and they would sell their audio tape for cassettes and so forth for music. And they would play a note to, uh, in front of a, a glass, and they would hit this one note and the glass would shatter. And they were, of course, advertising that the audio tape they were selling could carry the right sound that it could hit the resonant frequency of that glass. And we know that sound, if it's a certain sound, can be very either pleasant to you or it can be very irritating to you. In fact, the military has been developing a weapon system that mounts up on a Humvee that's got this audio transmitter speaker. And they've discovered that they can go in for crowd control and they hit you with this shrill sound being generated there. And it's so harmful, so irritating to you that you have to flee. You, you run away from the sound because it's so powerfully in negative effects it has on people. I know that in PSYOPs operations, when you've got some guys captured and you're interrogating prisoners down in Gitmo, the Islamic terrorists that got down there, one of the things they used as a technique for interrogation was, I guess they played rock and roll music for these terrorists. And of course, it was driving them crazy. It was very anti, it's very Western and they're against Western things were very irritating them. It was them headaches and so forth. About the same way it does for me when I hear rock and roll music, a lot of that stuff the kids listen to, it's irritating to me. Sounds have that effect. Each one of us can hear a particular sound or a song or whatever, and it evokes pleasantness from us. We enjoy it. That's something we like. Then there are certain sounds, certain songs we don't care for, and we don't like, and I don't want to listen to that, and so forth. Well, let me take you back for a moment about, let's say that you go in to hear an orchestra. You're going to hear where a lot of sound is going to be produced, and of course, they're going to be trying to do the music that's been composed that is considered to be pleasant and wonderful for you to hear. One of the things that you will hear if you go and hear an orchestra or you hear a band or whatever, that is getting ready to perform is they'll do something called tuning the instruments. And they'll have, say, a piano player hit a note and they'll have all the violins tune the strings. They'll have a guitars tune. And this is a very common thing for musicians. They have to tune the instruments to a known source and they have to make sure they're tuned correctly to one another. It is possible you could have two different instruments, one off tune, and it just destroys the music for the whole thing. you got to get everybody in tune, so to speak. 
Well, one of the things that we think happened at, at Jericho was the sound that was produced hit the resonant frequency of the walls of Jericho. And as soon as you hit that resonant frequency, they just come apart. Just like the Memorex commercial, the glass, and it suddenly it shatters. Well, the same thing took place with the walls of Jericho. Somehow or another, through the use of shofars and the shouting of the people and having the low vibration of walking around the city for a certain number of days, it produced the resonant frequency and the walls came tumbling down. In that particular case, they used the sound. God knew what the sound would do. They used the sound to produce a certain effect. And God has done that in the past. And we see it in the story of the walls of Jericho. Now, God has now called for you and I to observe a day of trumpets. And if you go back to the commandment, it's very simple. There's a couple of sacrifices presented in the temple to the Lord, in addition to the other regular sacrifices. But he says, on that day, I want you to hear shofars. It's the whole day. I want you to hear shofars all day long. Now, in the liturgy, in the worship service, we have a designated way that we specifically do it. We do the different trumpet calls. That's a liturgical service. But he actually commands, during the whole day, I want you to hear shofars. So what would be the advantage? Why in the world would God ask us to hear the sound of the shofar on this one particular day of the year and hear a lot of it? And I'm going to give you my theory about what's going on. I think it has to do with the same things that was taken on with Jericho. I think it has to do with a whole lot of things that are getting ready to happen. And I think what God wants us to do, he wants us to get in tune with him. And somehow he's smarter than us. He knows something about you and me spiritually and how we spiritually work. And somehow or another, the sounding of a shofar puts you in tune with what God is saying and doing. And he wants you to hear that sound. He wants you to know what that sound is. He wants that sound to mean something specifically to you. So when you hear a tekiah, that short blast, it gets your attention. You immediately stop doing what you're doing. Okay, Lord, what do you want? You learn that to kid. That we have that chevrolet that warbling three things, and it sounds like the cry of someone in need. Sounds like a widow and an orphan, it says. And that you'll take note of the needs of others. That's a sound that tunes you, get out of yourselves, and start serving others. Then there's that sound of war, the Teruah, the short blast of you've got to act now, you've got to take action, there's, that's a sound of war. If you're gonna be delivered, you must follow the directions, you must do the things that need to be done at that point. And that is what that sound is for. But then he says one last one, he says the Tekia Hagodal, I want you to listen to that sound. I want you to hear, I want you to hear that piercing sound going through. And by the way, when you do hear it, when you listen to it, everything stops. You stop thinking about other things. You can't think about other things. He kind of grabs hold of your attention. He holds your attention. And the only thing going through your head is, 
Oh my, that's a loud sound and it's going for a long time. And that would be a very important sound if God is dealing with you directly. For example, if he comes down on Mount Sinai and wants to explain his commandments, or if he wants to resurrect you from the dead, apparently you can hear this, you can be dead and you can hear this sound and you'll respond to it. Those who are alive caught up the resurrection that you'll know what's happening. This is the resurrection. Okay, this is, we're going to the presence of God. You will learn what that sound is like. You'll be tuned to those things. Let's pay attention to the Lord. Let's care about others. Let's be prepared for danger that may come. And let's be ready to go before the Lord. So if that's what you learn, if that's what you focus in on, you could say, in effect, that at the sounding of the shofar on Yom Teruah, you got tuned to the Lord and became tuned to his items and what he wants to do. This shofar is used multiple times in different things. It's used at the Rosh Hodesh. The sounding of the shofar is done there. A whole variety of reasons. Trumpets are used for a whole variety of things, but God has a specific day, Yom Teruah, in which he says, I want you to get in tune with me so that you'll know that when I sound the trumpet for you, what it means and what you're to do. Military get trained on learning the trumpet calls so they'll know what to do, whether it's to charge or retreat or whatever. We need to learn the sound of the trumpet so we know what God wants us to do as well. I hope that you'll be thinking about attending a Yom Teruah service, hearing the sound of the shofar. And by the way, these things are fun to get, not only to explain, but to learn how to blow. And yours truly is not going to attempt to blow at the moment. I used to, but I'll leave you with the sounds of some more shofar blasts as we conclude this teaching on Yom Teruah. In the next episode, we're going to start talking about Yom Kippur and what goes on with it. So enjoy the sounds of the shofar, and that'll be the end of our program for the Shabbat Shalom.
Thank you, everyone, who listens to our podcast here at Line of Land Ministries. I want to remind you, you can get our podcast through Apple Podcasts, through Spotify, and wherever you like to download your podcast. Thank you for being a part of our program and listening to what we have to say.